friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your election ballots. Vote tomorrow, please, November 3rd. Some of you listening are in other countries. And uh, if you're on social media, please remind your American friends to vote. This election is important. Super important. I would argue the most important election of the last hundred years. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, one of the things I've been doing during quarantine, other than raising a son who just turned six months old, um, Holler, he's doing great. Shout out to Atlas. I have this thing I started called the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy, right? Oh, by the way, this is episode 109. It is November 2nd, 2020. And on today's episode, I talked to my first student, MC Evil, who's a Minnesota-based artist, rapper, producer, poet, talented, like brilliant woman who I've been working with for a year. And I have a few other students. I have three other students. Um, But the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy is the thing I started because I get so many people asking me, hey, Lars, what do you think of my music? What advice do you have for me? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take all my skills, create a curriculum and freaking go for it. And every other week I meet with my students. I give them assignments. Uh, I give them listening assignments. I, I review their demos. I give them beat ideas. I sometimes will take their songs and do my own versions of them to show how I would attack certain couplets and flows and syncopated rhythms. And it's so fun, but like this whole thing has been happening. It's been aided by the quarantine. People have time. We're separated and, uh, we're doing it. So if you want to be one of my students, it's there's like a uh, application process, but it's super easy. I need you to just email me at mclars at gmail.com. Send me your two best songs that you feel like you've worked on, or if, if you haven't recorded them yet, lyrics, and um, type out the lyrics, send it to me, tell me your goals and why you want to be in the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy. And if I feel like you have potential, and what you're doing is dope and it's positive and I can, you know, relate to it like a producer would to an artist. I'll hit you back. I'll let you know, like, you know, what the rates are and what the plan would be and how, how I feel about your goals. And we'll go from there. So this podcast features a song that MC Evil and I did together called COVID Express. And we did the song and I was like, hey, MC Evil, we should do a podcast talking about the process and your journey as an artist. And MC Evil was like, well, why don't we use it as a way to promote the Lit Hop Academy? So we did. So if you're interested, let me know, hit me up. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from y'all. And I could probably take on, I could probably take on a few more students this year, but I am going to have to cap it. So the sooner you can send me your audition stuff, the sooner I'll get back to you. So this week's podcast is brought to you by the following patreon larsons shout out to the new ones jacob blaine and ethan shout out to the old ones jennifer emlyn and rachel i'm doing the lars wars series we have the revenge of the sith song coming out i'm doing songs about all the movies and tv shows and video games the star wars universe i did all the marvel cinematic universe movies and there's just like over 100 songs on the patreon that you probably haven't heard actually i doubt you've heard any of them maybe one or two um that were on like compilations a few years ago but other than that there's tons of new stuff so check that out this week's letter to atlas comes from adam in ohio who came to see mega Ran and me when we were opening for mc chris in 2016 at the grog shop in cleveland and ashley was actually at that show with me that was before we got married before we had a kid and so adam left a very nice message and uh It's kind of fortuitous because on that tour was the tour the 2016 election happened. So it's funny how quickly time happens. You understand. You feel me. All right. Here's this week's Letter to Atlas. Is he sleeping? Is he pooping? Just checking in. How's a little boy doing? These are some messages that you left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, MC. Uh, My name is Adam. Um, I listened to you. Uh, off and on a little bit, uh, before I went to the first show I saw you at, uh, it was, I want to say four years ago, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, I believe it was at the garage shop, uh, you and Megaran were opening for, uh, MC Chris and, and Ash Wednesday was there as well. It was actually the first, uh, rap show I ever, I've ever been to. I went with my cousin Boyd, um, and, 
like I said, I, I listened to a few of your songs here and there. I, I really wasn't a big rap person uh, beforehand, but uh, Boyd convinced me to go, so I went. And I talked to you, and I talked to Meg Rand for a little bit before the show, and you were just the nicest guys, both of you. Like, it was, I was ecstatic to talk to you. And then the show started, and I just, I had a blast. I, just, I fell in love with the music, the, the, just the positivity of everything that you sang about and rapped about, sorry. Uh, and it was, it was just great. I've been listening to you ever since. And, uh, I'm just glad to see things are going so well for you. And I'm just, I'm just happy to see a good person, you know, succeeding and having such a good family and life. But, uh, yeah, your, your music means a lot to me. And I'm just, I'm happy to be able to listen to it. Uh, sorry for the rambly story. Thank you, Adam. That is a super nice message. And uh, we'll be back in Cleveland like 2021, hopefully. So hopefully we can see you again there. Thanks, man. All right. So I told you about the Lit Hop Academy. Let me tell you a little bit about MC Evil, how we connected. So she heard me when I had a show on Sirius Radio. Um, before I started doing this podcast, I had a weekly show on Sirius Left of Center where I'd play different music and I'd I interviewed Dinosaur Jr. and I'd do the show backstage when I was on the road with Bowling for Soup. It was super fun. And she heard about me through that. And then she came to a workshop I did in Minnesota. I played at a community center in Minneapolis. And I did a workshop before, a writing workshop, and she and her husband came and uh, she wrote some cool stuff. And she said that inspired her to keep going. And so, yeah, so we talk about the musicality of rapping. Like we talk about how she went from being a poet and someone with a lot of technical knowledge into being a rapper and how she connected the skill set. But the main thing we talk about is how she talks about the Chuck Close quote about how when you work hard, lose yourself in your art, everything falls together. And something that's always really encouraging and fun about working with my students is, you know, so much of the time is spent, I feel like, worshiping the algorithms and trying to figure out how to appease YouTube and Spotify and Facebook so we can get an Instagram so we can get our content in everyone's face. And I think about how, not to sound like an old person, I'm going to though, when I started rapping, I remember Wi-Fi was like not really a thing. And that might sound like ancient, but 2003, uh, 2004, when I was doing the laptop EP, I remember all the files were sent through email, through ethernet in my dorm room. And then I realized, oh yeah, Wi-Fi I didn't really start using until 2005. Everything felt more grounded and connected. And it felt like we were able to create our art in this space that wasn't being constantly evaluated. Do you know what I mean? Constantly be, getting feedback. You post something, you instantly hear back about it, which is tight, which I think I think the changes in technology are really, really positive. But it's important to think about why you do your art. And um, someone who I really enjoy, who I've, re- I've been reading a lot this year is Cal Newport, who wrote Digital Minimalism, which is a book about how to unplug from social media in a way where you can have more intense, deep work. Brian from I Fight Dragons talked about that on the episode we did a while ago. And um, MC Evil does this because every week I give her assignments, multiple assignments. She spends time and all my students do this. I encourage them. I have specific like lessons like, okay, this week I want you to put the beat on loop, get off social media and just write on a piece of literal piece of paper about this topic, this tempo. And they do. And it's really fun to then work with them as they release stuff that is definitely better and doper than older stuff because it's all about going inside of you and pulling out what's there versus trying to create what you think people are going to want to hear. And that's been a journey for me in the past few years as I've kind of, you know, like realized that my project has this surprising longevity and there are certain things that react well with people, certain things that don't. So what do I want to say? How do I want to say it? And how do I keep growing? And I think this new role running the Lit Hop Academy is super fun. And uh, it's kind of tails into some other stuff I'm doing, which is going to go back to the Lit Hop stuff, which is a whole whole nother thing. But anyway, I really am inspired by MC Evil. I really appreciate her. We, we um, yeah, the last time I saw her was on tour in February 
And uh, it's kind of makes me nostalgic to think about a time when <laughs> touring was like normal. We knew we were going to tour again. And when I go on the road, I always like to spend time with my students and catch up with them at the shows. So let's get into it. This is a really special interview with a really wonderful person who, uh, yeah, I really respect and admire and I'm very impressed by her work. And at the end, we shout out her website and then I'm going to link to the, her other social media because she's about to put out a lot of really, really cool music that I have heard as her teacher, but y- y'all haven't heard it. So uh, MC Evil, great things coming from her. This is a special interview. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Peace. From the great state of Minnesota, I'm talking to MC Evil. Hey, MC Evil. Hey, MC Lars. How are you today? You started rapping a few years ago, and we've been working together through the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy, doing projects, and you've come so far as a rapper and producer. And let's talk a little bit about the class, and then we'll talk about your journey as an artist. Well, I actually discovered you because you were a DJ on Sirius Radio. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, and my um, my husband actually listened to you and pointed you out, and then we ca- we caught up with your songs, and so I started listening to your songs, and um, I really really enjoyed them. They, I found them funny and just kind of um, a new way into rap music for me um, because I hadn't really thought about rapping in a way. You know the t- the topics, the subjects you were talking about—they're really um, relatable for me, anyway. And so um, I was uh, for work. I got the opportunity to go to South by Southwest, and I was actually downtown one of the years. I think it was 2013, um, and the whole nerdcore, uh, the whole band, everybody was there. <laughs> And I hadn't seen Nerdcore live, um, any Nerdcore bands live yet. So I got to see, um, I, I, I was all alone. I couldn't get anyone to go with me. <laughs> so I, um, I got ready. Um, I didn't eat or drink anything. So I wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously. Was it at Flamingo Cantina? It was at Flamingo Cantina. Um, and I got my spot in the front, and I got there early, and I stood there all night, and you were the very last person. And it was, I think, uh, maybe 2 in the morning by the time it was over. Um, and I got yeah. my picture with you, and I told you, <laughs> I'm here from Minnesota, and I, it's the first time I get to see you. And that was it was just really, really fun and exciting. And seeing that show, I got to see Shade for the Dark Lord for the first time, and MC Front a lot, um, and there were a bunch of other uh, dual core. I think was playing that year. Yeah. Um, so it was really just this whole like world opening up for me. I remember going on last. There was not a lot of people. You were one of the few who stayed to the end. It was it was actually pretty busy. Um, people stayed for you, and they were trying to kick you off the stage because it was too late. That's what's up. <laughs> so your so your background is in like theater and writing and you have like an engineering background because in a way because you make all your beats so you understand this technical science side of things so you have this interesting skill set i always really enjoy working with you because i feel like i i don't pull my punches i give you the hardest assignments i can think of and you always deliver because you are bringing your skill set from other things into rap which i think is an interesting um message for anyone who might be thinking about starting a new project like some skills are really transferable and i maybe was was wondering maybe you could talk about that i i have um always been creative and um i've always looked at the world in ways that I'm pretty sure no one ever does because I'll, I'll say something and people will be like, what are you talking about? So um, I, I, I like to think of things in a lot more of a um, fluid manner. So if you've, if you've developed skills in a certain way, you know, if you can think, then you can think about anything. If you can manage things or organize things, you can probably manage or organize anything. It's really about how do you take what you know, kind of um, back away from it a little bit, you know, look at the whole board kind of thing, right? 
um, and see where all of these things come into play and then understand how to transfer them. Um, and I've always really wanted to be um, less dependent on other people for my creativity too because I have been in a lot of collaborative um, creative situations where it just stops or dies because the other person, you know, something happened or they just lost interest. Um, you're really dealing with like another whole individual's life or other people's lives when you're trying to be creative collaboratively. It's incredibly rewarding. Um, but for me, it's always, there's always that element of frustration too. So, um, it's been important for me to kind of get as many of the skills as I can and figure out how to rearrange them, um, for different kinds of creative activities that I'm interested in at the time. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's what drew drew me to rap and like electronic music my in my own journey because it was hard to organize rehearsals with bandmates. It's a similar thing. So I was like, well, I'll start doing my solo stuff and um yeah, and, and focusing all that energy into that. If you know the process and you're patient, it pays off. You are making your own beats too. And and I, I said, Why do you make your own beats? And you're like, Oh, I don't think anyone would want to make beats for me, but that but you kind of had a humble approach and it's because you're so do it yourself. You do it all yourself. And I think the the fact that you make your own beats makes you a very interesting artist because you have a very unique style and sound. And so maybe you could talk about that. Like what led you to wanting to produce music to which came first, the rapping or the music production? And um, was that maybe an extension of not wanting to be relying on other people as well? So, yeah, it, interesting. Um, another encounter with you actually was kind of what inspired uh, me to look into rapping and music overall. Um, and, and it relates back to this story from college. So anyway, I'll, I'll come around to it. But my, there, one of my... <laughs> This is going to date me a little bit, but one of my favorite albums was Tears for Fears. Um, and they said they wrote it because they couldn't afford therapy. And I always thought, that that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe I should try that sometime as a form of therapy. Yeah. And so I was in this challenging, more challenging job than I've ever, ever been in before or after in my life. Um, and you came to Minnesota and you um, did a songwriting workshop. So I thought, I'm going to go to MC Lars songwriting workshop because I'm a fan of MC Lars. And I had no idea that that mm. songwriting workshop, that one hour workshop was going to change my life. But um, we got in there and I made my husband go and he was really nervous. He doesn't like doing anything in front of people and and um we were sitting there and and uh I said you know I'm doing this <laughs> and he said I said you can go wait in the car but I'm doing this right he said no 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 I'll do it so he did it with me and we we were listening and and just during this like hour like and a little after it too um I I realized I've always been a poet and I've always wanted to be in a band I guess I'm a rapper <laughs> and so um Throughout this challenging job, I started using it as therapy to write my bars. Um, and I did this and I, and I like did this for months and months and months. And it was, it was really, really therapeutic. But then I started to realize, wait, I think I might be good at this. Like, this is really fun and putting words together like puzzles. And it was just kind of pulling together a lot of different skill sets um, and also making me feel better. So um, I decided I needed to make my own music. I just, this is, this is when I had the realization. I don't, I don't know who would make music for me at this point because I just didn't feel like I knew anything about it, like any of the language, like how would I even talk to a producer, a beat maker? I, I had no, um, no way into that world. So um, I bought some equipment, some software, and I went the YouTube way and that did not work. <laughs> so for six months, I tried to figure it out on my own and I came up with a two and a half minute silly song that is the only song that i have on soundcloud to this day and clap slap happy that's the that's the one you got it <laughs> and then i said to myself self i think you need a class <laughs> so i looked online i searched and i, I wanted a monday night class i wanted a, a class that was uh near my home 
And there was literally a place um, three or four miles from my house starting Monday night classes for Ableton, introduction to Ableton, uh, which happened to be the software I had purchased. So I thought, oh, this is kismet. I'm, I'm going to go to these classes and I'm going to start learning. And um, that was in May 2017 when that started. You kind of were like, I need to find a solution. I need to, I need help. And then, then, then it manifested and you were like, oh, this is a solution. Can we mention the name of the music academy or do you want to keep it secret? Yeah, I'd love to. Slam Academy in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, And the teacher of that class was um, James Patrick. And he is still to this day, one of my mentors and teachers in music. Um, He saw in me this very nascent sort of, creative person um and at the end of that class he he offered to be my mentor as well and so i've been working both with him and with you for the last year and that's been amazing (laughs) when we do our classes i'll be like all right mc evil i want you to have like a major key beat or i want you to have it this tempo like 97 beats per minute a song about this this fairy tale with inspired by this Nas song, like we're able to speak in a musical language that is really specific that I have, I have like, like four other students and some of them aren't producers. Some of them are, one of them is more of a songwriter with you. Not only are you my first student, I learned from you on the production tip. That's tight. Back in the day, back in the day, huh? (laughs) A year ago, for the first few assignments, I think sometimes it was helpful when you'd wrap it and then I'd do my own cadence based on yours, showing ideas on how I might listen to the um, syncopation on the beat and then you'd listen to it and then do your version of that. These days you really have a good understanding of rhythm and flow that I don't do that as much. We focus more on concepts and projects and like we do sometimes three songs each class. So you're doing like six songs a month. You have to make all those songs and then pick your favorites. And um, yeah, it's been really interesting seeing you do that. So I guess my question is, were you always kind of like fearless in trying new things and being like able to try try a bunch of things to get everything right? Or has this been something you've been learning in your um, new juncture making music? The preciousness um, has been, I mean, part of it has definitely been your encouragement. I think, you know, you, you, you talk about just make the songs, put them out there, etc. But there, there's this aspect of just do the work, right? Just do the work that the process will set you free is one of my favorite Chuck Close quotes. Um, he's a great mm. artist and painter. And really, you just need to sit down and do it, um, whether and, and accept sort of whatever that might be. Um, and if you sit down and do the thing, ultimately, you'll come out with something that is going to make you happy eventually at some point. Um you know, there's a lot of different inputs you can get into sitting down and doing the thing. But if you don't sit down and do the thing, it's it's never going to make anything, right? It's it's that whole... And I've gone through, like, lots of different creative processes and, and been interested in many different things. And none of them has stuck as much. Um, like, for, like, the last uh, 10 years, I just stopped it this year. I did a photo of the day um, on a, f- a photo of the day blog I did um, before that, writing and theater and um, just all kinds of different things. But uh, what I always noticed is I didn't necessarily practice those things on a regular basis. And so, therefore, it was a hobby. It wasn't necessarily art that was that I was making um, with music. It's 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 a different thing. I just have a different feeling with it. It's more involved. It's it's using more um, of my neurons. More of those are firing, and I get to think and make a song and really create a world um, and and take someone somewhere for a while. Um, and I I've always loved music my whole life and. I've been touched by so many songs and the ability, like creating the ability to do that for someone else is kind of where I'm at with my art right now. And that's why doing so much um, has been really helpful. So just like crank it out, crank it out, crank it out. And there's, I have a really long list of things I need to go back and finish. (laughs) But at the moment, I don't feel like that's as important in my creative process right now. I'm just getting good at it. Um, And and that'll be that next level where I start to just think about that curation, I think. And you, you said that really well. And you made an EP, but the question is, like, 
we talk about this a lot. We talk about the business side a little bit. And do you release a song at a time or do you release seven songs at a time? And it's really interesting to see you stockpile this whole arsenal of like great songs that are, that are cold from like the big array of, of all the paint that you throw on the canvas and it come together. And I think one of the most magic moments for both of us was when you did all your stems and got all these songs tra- uh, prepped for, for our, our man, Bo Vallis, who mixed all your EP. And Bo is someone who mixed the Bible LP, and he's done a lot of stuff for me. And to have him take all this stuff that you'd put so much time into and make it sound like it, it could, I don't know, be on college radio or something. Like That was so exciting. I remember hearing that. I was walking around. and listened to your EP like four times. I was so proud of you. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Like the first time you heard a, a full, like, project like that come together yeah that that really is a a game changer right in your whole process is when you make something absolutely real I'd been biting at the bullet like I want to make a real song and I didn't know what that meant right like what does it mean to make a real song um and I had all these things I had made but they weren't really songs so um going through that process of figuring out which songs would go on the EP um you know and then getting into them in just such detail because these are getting mixed these are getting baked essentially right and ready to serve like um you know fresh baked cookies or something going so learning what that meant, um, you know, seeing what the um, ultimately the final producer can do to something to make it sound real, to make my voice um, present and forward, um, you know, I that that final mixing step. I know you talked about how I do all the things, but that final producing and mixing step is something I think I'm always going to want a collaborator for, um, because if someone else can listen to the pieces and parts. And, and then play it back to you in a way uh, that you'd never heard it before because the pieces and parts are coming together um, in the way that they, they heard them, pulled, pulled, pulled them, pulled all the special things out and made you able to hear it all. And that um, has just really, really uh, taught me about what it means to go all the way through and have this thing in the end that is, this is what it would be now to release a product or a song and and so I feel like that was really really important experience to understand that aspect of it um and almost like make make it real for me like I felt like I am really an artist making music when I had finished my EP (laughs) yeah and it's like it's I I think of it like when you when you don't have a song mixed or mastered, you're kind of like blindly like trying to build a sculpture in the dark, and someone turns the light on, and you're like, oh, this is yeah, fresh bake. That's a good metaphor. Like these are all the fingerprints I put made permanent, and I think even auteurs hire mixing and mastering engineers. Like one example I that comes to mind is on uh, Nine Inch Nails' album, The Fragile. I know Dr. Dre mixed and mastered like at least a song or two. Like the, to, to have people you trust help deliver and finalize your um, process, even if you're a band like Nine Inch Nails that's sold millions of albums or like an artist like you starting with your first project, having someone deliver the deliver it's such a powerful thing because you know, oh, so that means I can be fearless and that my demos don't need to sound like this. So I don't need to like be tripping on the fact that it's, um, it, yeah, that it's perfect. And, 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 and I remember it was like really cool to hear, to hear that and then listen to the demos that you'd worked on in the past and be like, okay, like I always hope MC Evil would, this would inspire her to do more stuff and take more chances. And from that, I heard it in your music. Like you kind of would take more chances with vocal things or, you know, you, your stuff kind of took this new original path that was exciting to hear. And I wonder if that's a conscious thing or that just kind of became, that was just a, that came out of you being more prolific and just, I don't know, were you after that, like, how did you approach songwriting differently after the EP got mastered? I think it's a matter of going deeper and getting more comfortable, right? So now you have these skills 
Um, and kind of like in video games, you level up, right? You're like, I have this now. Now I'm going to go get the magic spell to do this other thing. Um, so like, and that's part of why I continuously am learning about the music portion, the beat making right. part of it and diving into that because there's always something there that can inform the lyrical aspects. Um, and then kind of going back in fourth, right? So thinking about how does that bass sound here? Can my voice sound more like that bass? And just getting more creative about different aspects of things. So I think, yeah, that comes from comfort and practice, but definitely some intent and some serendipity. We do. We talk a lot about the musical element of rapping, like rapping is poetry and rapping is counting the syllables, but there's also a lot of musical research you have to do. One of the things we've talked about a lot is the snare, right? Like finding the snare. Um, yes. <laughs> listening to letting that, letting the kick and the snare drive you, but like the snare helping you, I don't know, like where to breathe, where to, it's very hard to like verbalize some of these things. It's, but it's like, you know, it and you feel it like, we'll listen to miles Davis and I'll be like, okay, MC evil. Listen to where miles doesn't play and think about where you don't want to rap specifically, or we'll listen to, um, Gosh, we'll listen to a specific storytelling song. Or we'll listen to, I remember we listened to one of the first assignments was a Wu-Tang. So you are fluent in the culture. So what are some albums or artists you've discovered through the Lit Hop Academy that I've recommended you didn't know? Do any come to mind? And I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this. I think it's more that um, it's more that you've helped direct my attention because there's so much, right? And if you think about what, like a 40-year legacy at this point, um, how do you listen to all that music? <laughs> yeah, you mean specifically of hip-hop. Yeah, right. specifically yeah, hip-hop. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, our lessons have been really helpful in just kind of going deep into different, like, genres or um, regional areas and kind of that that landscape, which then has helped me kind of follow up in different ways with different things that I've liked a lot. Um I, I would say a ton of different things, um, but that I didn't know about, I've learned about. And I like the listening assignments just as much as the other assignments, honestly. Because <laughs> I'm a context person. So I feel like even if you, even if the person listening doesn't understand the context, there's a rich history there. And that's, I mean, it's, it's similar to like, you look at a painting and you don't know the story of like what the painting is about, but you can still experience that art. So for me, I feel like I can, I want to make things that are more layered and, and more rich. Um, and part of that is making them sound really interesting, but part of it is making them um, attached to other stories in the world and that they're, they're built on other things that are relevant and that makes them more universal. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. And I've always had an affinity for the concept of the pastiche, meaning you're not parroting something, you're not necessarily, you're not stealing from it, certainly. You are, like Weird Al does this really well in a lot of his references. You're being, you're, you're channeling that, that energy, that creativity in a way that um, shines, th shines through. And one of the assignments that you really recently did that really impressed me was um, we listened to Deltron's uh, 3030 record and you did a song about what life will be like in 2040. I think that was a year, right? And, and, and diff different, pers different perspectives on it. It was so cool because it was such in the vibe of the Deltron, um, Deltron vibe, but it also stood on its own and it was, and it ended up, what I always like about your stuff is you have central themes of love and hope and positivity, but you also are able to be honest about things that are hard. But that song, even though it's a dark apocalyptic song, I don't want to spoil it, but you end up like on a positive note. And it's like, <laughs> I like that about you. You have themes that as an artist, MC Evil as an artist, reoccurring themes that come through. Kind of going back to the themes of MC Evil, like, uh, you know, my, my tagline is MC Evil loves you. Um, and I believe love is the only answer, even though there's a lot of other things out in the world. And, and that's not necessarily like a, um, it's, it's a seasoned love. Let's just say it's not, it's not a naive one, if that makes any sense. And, um, so we, we talked about the, 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 the song is called 2040 Blossoming, and it's really about, like, what does the world look like in 20 years? Um, and things now, at the moment in time, seem really dire. But there's 
also a lot of reason to hope that we as a society, as a human humanity, um, can have a better world. Uh, you know, there's always been negativity and, and there's always been really, really bad things going on. Um, so what if we kind of envision 2040 as, okay, we're beyond many of the things that we're currently mired in. What does that mean? What does that look like? You know, thinking about um, the babies that are born right now um, and, and what, what might their life be like when they're 20. Mm. Um, it's kind of where my mind went and, and just, you know, stepping back again, like that notion of looking at the whole board and trying to get a bigger picture instead of, it's really easy for everybody right now, I think, to be sad about what is happening in the world. Yeah. So it's, that's part of, that's part of why um, MC Evil and this, this thing I'm creating is important to me because it's, it's uh, well, going back to the, the earlier thing of therapy, but also just a little bit of love and light in the world. Like, let's, let's put some good stuff out there um, in terms of, you know, feelings and, and not being afraid and, and taking our world back and saying, you know what, we, we can do better. We deserve to do better. So that's what that song is. is it's trying to, like, get out of the now and say, you know what? It's not necessarily looking that bad. <laughs> right. And like we've all been through, humanity's been through horrific things before, the, the, the plague, the Middle Ages, like all this stuff, the Cold yeah. War. Um, and yeah, that made me think of something else that I always am inspired by about your process that helps me. Like I think so many artists now think about how do we monetize this? How do we trick the algorithms? How do we, you know, make Facebook want people to know what about what we did? How do you do this and that? And it becomes like, like the operant conditioning of psychology where like, if we hit this pellet, if we hit this lever, does a pellet come out and then you become a robot and you don't, and it doesn't come from the heart. And I, I think about that in terms of like, this dichotomy between the artists who are who are finding their vision, working on being original and creating something unique versus you can tell when someone's trying to, you know, sound like whatever's on the radio and yada, yada, yada. And there's not to denigrate that process because that process has value too. But we talk about, sometimes it'll be like, okay, MC Evil, like what are we going to do for her, the Spotify release? Da, 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 da. And, and you're, you're always like, well, we'll just put it out there. We put it on SoundCloud and work on the website and I want to own this and I, this is going to be me and people are going to find it. And I'm not too concerned with the business. And in my mind, it's like, you're not concerned with like this stuff that I think can poison the creative process because you're really invested in yourself as an artist and invested in the long-term product. And I think that is something worth noting on, on this podcast. Cause I know like there's a lot of uh, content creators and artists who listen. And I think it's like, that takes bravery. The thing about um, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, been in a situation in work in my work life where I've had to make all kinds of compromises because of what it is right what is a day job and what is work and and all these different sorts of things that have to um, be decided right or determined or constrain you so um, I just I've always wanted that one art outlet that gave me the full freedom to just do it how I wanted to do it. Um, and part of that is, you know, doing these things myself, making the beats myself, et cetera. Um, and, and it's, it's just a, I guess, pushing back on other parts of my life where that freedom doesn't necessarily exist for one reason or another. I mean, we all live in society, so we all have to deal with that <laughs> in one way or another. Um, right. This is a free space. I get, I am a fortunate, fortunate person and I get to spend this energy um, being the artist that I want to be through my music. It's taken me a long time to find that this was the form factor. Um, I've, like I said earlier, I've tried a lot of different things, um, but this is the one. And so with this, I don't want to just kind of put stuff out there because I want you to listen to me. It's more about I don't need an audience. I don't need this, that to fulfill me. So I want everything, anything that I do share ultimately with the world to 
be quality. Mm. Be high quality. And so, like, we track, we've been talking about my EP, but also talking about the last year. That EP sort of was the beginning of what you and I were doing. Um, and I personally feel I'm much, much better now. So that's part of my struggle is, well, do I want to put that music out there? Because I really just think I, I have much more to share now and there's only so much attention <laughs> that people have and mm. only so much time so it's it's all like balancing all of that and i mean ultimately what i need out of it is probably very different than what uh, a lot of people need out of it so many of the greatest punk bands rappers producers they were doing something in their own niche that they considered quality and then when um the the giant eyeball of mass culture shown on them. Sometimes it was like short circuited them. I think specifically of Kurt Cobain, right? I think about mm-hmm. um, people like yeah. Janis Joplin and people in the '60s who's who part of their art and part of their career was the partying. You know what I mean? Like how when that yeah. when you have infinite access to that, it can derail you. And so. I think, yeah, have, that's the only, the only perspective you should have as an artist and you can have is doing it to make yourself happy, being original and enjoying it. And like, I remember one of my English teachers, Biff Smith, who was um, my, my high school English teacher at our high school graduation, he gave this speech about how there are three things in life to make you happy. You have to approach things with passion. You have to look at every creative project like it's a mud pie that you're building in a sandbox. So like you're <laughs> a kid having fun and, re- and who cares about the results? And you have to enjoy the drudgery of it. When it gets hard, like when you're writing songs, even if you're having to I'm making you listen to whole Wu-Tang discography and listen to all the scansion of all their triplets, whatever, you have to appreciate, you have to enjoy the drudgery. And only when you can find that triforce of like strength is what does what you create high value. And of course this is there's exceptions to this, but in my experience and then looking how you're creating your art, like I see threads and I think there's like truths that like that that like I don't know, great art connects to. And I, and it's also I'm not trying to necessarily say, well, we're great artists, blah, 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 because that can be poisonous too. But we take our art seriously and we invest time and energy into it. And if you don't do that, guess what? You could talk about art all day, but if you don't write, are you a writer? Mm, I don't know. No, no, you're, you're, not. you're not. You got to do the thing. Yeah. Holler. <laughs> that was really good advice from your high school teacher. Biff Smith. He was also the teacher who I did my first rap for, my Macbeth rap. And, okay. And he was a jazz, yeah. jazz musician who would teach music during the summers and then play shows on the weekends. And he was like, he's a happy artist who had all his loves and he had his day job teaching English. And I really, you know, to him, he's more of a rock star than any, uh, anyone on MTV at that time to me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what's fresh, you know, being yourself and taking and, and creating a space for your art to exist and putting the time and energy into it, which you have done through you're not the point where MC evil is a full-time vocational thing. It's a project, like you said, and then you bolster it with your, um, your other, your day job. I'm a, I'm a flexible person. And I think that if any sort of opportunity came along, I would evaluate whatever that was. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, I don't think that comes from, it's, I think, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. It is certainly not going to come from trying, I, I like, especially from where I'm coming from. Um, that's the kind of thing that, you know, the world might see it and want more of it. Okay, awesome. But if not, that's fine too. Because I think, again, even if you can impact a couple of people here and there, um, that's, that's important. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's much more possible with basically anyone in the world being able to access all of these things, right? Um, if they have the technology. So it's, you just never know. You just never know what kinds of connections you could make or, or it, you know, or who you could touch. Maybe, maybe I'm cheering up the physicist who's, who figures out <laughs> how to make free energy. Right. You know, who knows? Like the pebble, right, in the water. Um, I believe in those, the fluttering butterflies, right? I believe in those impacts in the world. So, um, so that's, yeah, I, I would just be open to whatever came, but really, again, focusing on just the love of it and the, and making things that are quality and only sharing things that 
I really feel like are worth worth it. <laughs> okay, right answer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. <laughs> I like that perspective. And I think about all the songs I love and all the artists I love, Wesley Willis, Weird Al, the Adam and His Package, like all the straight ICP, even the ones that Paul Barman, who we talk about a lot during our classes, are the ones that KRS won, the ones who made me be like, oh, I could do that. Oh, I see what they did there and I could emulate that. A song that makes me want to make a song to me is a good song. So anytime what I do, when that inspires someone, that's like a Grammy to me. Like if a 60 year old kid's like, yo, I I decided that I could make music because I, you know, something, something, something like I, we're on the same wavelengths with like that. And you never know where your, who your music is going to reach, but the only way it's going to have that is to make that bottle like the metaphor of the bottle message in the bottle, make it really sturdy and nice. And you drop a thousand of them and you keep it moving. Yes, exactly. I well, I want to drop one of our gems. We've talked about this, so this is not a surprise. We worked on a song together that um, I think the musical collaboration part of it was cool because we both added a little music and we came up with the concept. So, MC Evil, do you want to t- introduce our song? Talk about how we made it and like talk about the process because this is this was really a true collaboration. I think definitely. So, okay, so this was one of my assignments everyone at the Lit Hop Academy. Um, and I was to take a song, a well-known song, it, like a fairy tale song. Was that right? It was like a nursery rhyme song. A right? nursery rhyme song. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> um, and like reinvent it. And so, gosh, weird that I've been thinking about COVID all summer. That's strange. But the, the two plagues, right? Uh, COVID and, and social injustice. So I've written a lot of songs about both of those things this summer. And um, the COVID song was, um, so I played it for you or you listened to it for our class. And, um, oh yeah, I, ch- I chose Wheels on the Bus because Wheels on the Bus coming off seemed like exactly what was happening. <laughs> in the world right so um i think you asked me to make a a dialogue and i i actually just did it in one voice like i spoke from the the perspective of the bus driver who was driving the the bus where the wheels were coming off and um and we started talking about that and then um i think you came up with the idea then to add another voice and 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 do your kind of do your your um part there and i thought well hey why don't we make this our first lit hop academy song because it's we're starting to really collaborate on this track specifically um and then you you took it and did some more things and i redid my verses and we went back and forth and i got to have a collaboration with you um and vice versa and that was kind of how the song came about <laughs> and and so it's the two voices because you're the working class bus driver yes. who is who who is non not not necessarily not necessarily gendered right and and just doing their job yep. to get people around and be basically being like please wear a mask I'm like I'm a essential worker and y'all aren't respecting this and then I come on the bus as like a libertarian science denier presumably climate change denier, maybe a flat earther. We don't necessarily get into QAnon supporter or whatever <laughs> comes on the bus just talking about like, yo, it's, it's, it's my right to not wear a mask. And like, and I'm like, just, and you end you, it's like a battle and you're like, just please be compassionate. I'm trying to go home. Like, just please don't make this any harder. And it's, it ended up be, being, it's kind of emotional to listen to. It's very of the time. It's topical and timeless. Like we talk about, but Musically, it's interesting because I'm always something I always harp on with you that people that I always appreciated is when to rein in the weirdness. But I also knew where you were going. So it was really fun for me to like work on this and do the verse. And shout out to Ash Tellum, who sings on the chorus, and Mike Russo, who adds a really, really fun, jazzy guitar solo. And I think it's cool. It adds some flavor, some color under the, the third verse that, that shows like the new emotional direction. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think both the Ash and Mike parts bring in those um, that juxtaposition really well. It's funny, but it's also uh, it's yeah. like a kind of song where in five years, I mean, we'll look back and be like, you know, that was that was the twenty twenty conversation. When did wearing a mask and being compassionate and 
respecting science become controversial, bro. Like, come on. I don't know. If you want to download it, like you have it on the podcast now. If you want to download the song, go to my SoundCloud, but we're going to premiere it here. So maybe later this week, it'll be on the SoundCloud. I don't know. Let's say someone listens to this. They think like they really like your raps and the beat and they want to hear more of you. Um, what's a good place we can direct them? They can go to my website at mcevilnation.com. That's what's that? Evil. E-V-O-L. That's right. And I, and I, I was thinking about that. It's a backwards spelling of love, right? Was that? It is. That's right. Thank you for being on the show, MC Evil. Thank you, MC Lars. <laughs> and we'll check out this, the newest release. This is the premiere. Holler. All right. We'll, we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The mask on your face keeps COVID down all through the town. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The mask on your face keeps COVID down all through the town. People on the bus that wear a mask make it safe for everybody, that's a fact. The people on the bus that wear their masks are helping the rest of us with this task. There are some that refuse and even attack. They don't care, they won't wear a mask. Why can't they understand? Why must they bask? In complete disregard for others, I ask. The doors on the bus open and close just like the United States. No jokes. I think of my family sitting at home and I wish I could stay so they weren't alone. I want to feel safer at my job, but I can't. It's mostly due to the freedom rant. Nightmares every night because I might make them sick. That's why I care about this no trick. Like Anna Green Gables Turn the tables like Jam Master J I won't cover my face I don't care what you say, okay? Libertarian's not a bad word to me And how can I believe in a disease I can't see? So just keep driving Here's my 125 I don't care about your health As long as I get home alive The wheels on the bus go round and round Round and round, round and round The mask on your face keeps COVID down All through the town The wheels on the bus go round and round Round and round Life usually goes like the wheels on the bus, but not this time. It's coming for us. The wheels on the bus are not going round. They aren't going all over town. It's like they turned all square, so they won't take us over there. And we all feel stuck. Not supposed to be this way, so much yuck. Once in a lifetime, we were not prepared. It's time to care and possibly share light and love and some charity. Let wearing a mask be that clarity. The people on the bus that wear their masks make it safe for everybody. That's a fact. Be a person on the bus. Wear your mask. Please help the rest of us with this task. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The mask on your face keeps COVID down all through the town. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The mask on your face keeps COVID down all through the town. <laughs> COVID Express. Oh, boy. Vote tomorrow, everyone. Please, please, if you can, vote. And, uh, yeah, do the right thing. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Next week, we talk to Height Keach, who's a Baltimore rapper who I know because of his work with Grand Buffet. And uh, he's friends with Michael Kill. Anyway, super dope, prolific, awesome dude. And uh, I was really happy I got to catch up with him. So tune into that next week. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe. Wear a mask. We're going to get through it. I hope you all had a happy Halloween. Oh, and thanks everyone who came to watch our Halloween show. It was our biggest Four-Eyed Horseman stream so far. We're going to do another one in November. Keeping it moving. Holler. I love y'all. Have a good week. Peace, y'all. Thank you. Bye. Biden-Harris 2020.